The cyber landscape is constantly evolving, creating new challenges and opportunities to defend against sophisticated attacks. At Northrop Grumman, we provide a wide range of capabilities to stay ahead of these threats. To learn more, visit northropgrumman.com backslash cyber. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports Weekly Cyber Report, sponsored by Northrop Grumman. I'm your host, Vago Maradian, and it is my honor to welcome to the program United States Air Force Lieutenant General Tim Hawk, the commander of the 16th Air Force that was reestablished in 2019. The command is responsible for the services information warfare, as well as intelligence gathering and analysis, surveillance, reconnaissance, electronic warfare, and cyber warfare. It is headquartered at Joint Base San Antonio-Lackland in sunny Texas. Sir, thanks so very much for joining us. Vago, glad to be with you today. Really an honor to represent all of our Airmen of 16th Air Force. And before we get started, a word from our sponsors. Bell sponsors our daily podcast. Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage. And General Atomics Aeronautical System sponsors our coverage of strategy. And our coverage at the Navy League's recent Sea Airspace Conference and Trade Show was sponsored by Huntington Ingalls Industries and General Electric Marine with our naval coverage sponsored by Fincantieri Marinette Marine. Uh, it's it's really a pleasure, sir. I uh, have been very excited to talk to you for uh, some time. Obviously, 16th Air Force uh, was stood up uh, last year, very important capability for the service at a time when we're grappling with all manner of cyber intrusions, ransomware incidents, uh, and the like. And I want to get your thoughts on that in a minute. But talk to us about the priorities uh, you and the chief uh, and now Secretary Kendall have for cyber, because one of the things you're trying to do is not just to be a stovepiped organization, but the service is trying to inculcate cyber across the piece. Talk to us about your priorities. Sure. The, uh, I think it's important to start with what problem we were asked to solve, which was actually to break down the stovepipes between ISR, cyber, electronic warfare, and then to grow information operations capabilities in our service. So as we brought that together, uh, all the roles and missions of 16th Air Force, our priority is, it fits into three different lines of effort, and, and I can touch on them real quickly foundation of everything that we do in 16th Air Force is generating insights, whether that's a part of our ISR enterprise for air components, but really sets the condition for understanding what our adversary is trying to do to us to limit the, the effectiveness of, of all of our operations uh, and, and also allows us to understand what their vulnerabilities are. We want to compete now, meaning our nation expects us to produce outcomes today. You've already you, you've touched on uh, previously and in other programs the challenges uh, that we face today uh, and that are addressed in our national defense strategy. We're expected to produce outcomes today, but ultimately we're a military organization. We have to be prepared for escalation. That if our nation needs us in any phase of conflict, we're going to have to deliver unique capabilities to understand our adversary, to make sense of a large amount of data, and to be able to present options in cyberspace or in the information environment that allow our nation to be successful. Um, how, how do we, right, your job obviously is to break down the stovepipes uh, among uh, the uh, core elements of the service that is historically viewed, right, in the electronic and in the electromagnetic spectrum. What are some of the things that have to happen to inculcate cyber-mindedness across 
the combat air force's leadership right um, mobile homes i think understood cyber as an air uh, combat command commander he and i used to talk about it all the time but there were other general officers who viewed uh, and and i get the same message from flag officers in the navy they understand principal warfare specialties they understand uh, all of the other elements they've learned in this from special operations to intelligence obviously because of the war on terror but they admit that they're not as strong on cyber and don't understand it what has to change to be able to get that cyber mindedness all the way from airmen, uh, junior airmen on the flight line, all the way up uh, to uh, senior commanders? So number one, I think the job is getting easier every day to understand that. Part of that is senior leadership recognition. Uh, and it starts with General Brown's new doctrine that he put out in, in, in describing where uh, operations in the information environment, cyberspace, electromagnetic spectrum, where they fit in relation to our activities in the air domain. That's pretty clearly spelled out, and so our leaders are recognizing it. And then I think all of us are experiencing it on a day-to-day -day basis, whether that be things that we see uh, in terms of attacks on our nation or, or exploitation operations like solar winds, or uh, ransomware activity that has actually affected Americans' lives. That now becomes a natural extension for this dialogue that we're having inside our service and inside the joint force. And I, and I will tell you, the senior leaders that we interact with, whether that be the combatant commanders, the air components, they understand the importance of moving information, the, the vulnerabilities that exist from cybersecurity, and then also the opportunities that presents when we think about fully integrating operations in cyberspace and the information environment with the incredible things we can do uh, as the, the leaders of air power. Um, your uh, uh, counterpart at Air Education and Training Command, uh, the talented uh, Lieutenant General Brad Webb, uh, also has been trying to grow uh, and get cyber curriculum into basic training to get people's heads wrapped around it. I know that the Air Force, uh, both at the Air War College and elsewhere, is working uh, those issues. Do you think that there, as opposed to the understanding of it, which is very important, right, that folks do now uh, you know, it's it's not just for uh, not to be pejorative, right? It's not the Intel weenies or the crypto guys, right? I mean, the Navy always leans on crypto guys to do that. I know that it's the intelligence community that often uh, gets the cyber burden. Um, do do there have to be? Do you think better training uh, in across the education system uh, to to get folks to sort of understand because it's a uh, it's a domain of warfare all on its own, which has all of the maneuver, uh, defense, offense. Uh, elements of it uh, that that should be easy for airmen to understand, and I think many do. Do you think some there has to be more on the education side of things to to sort of understand the nuances of of warfare in the domain more broadly? I would definitely say yes, and I'll give you a couple areas that that we're emphasizing, and I think that we're really pleased with what General Webb and his team and the team at Air University is doing uh, as well, which is one. Clearly, within cyberspace, there are vulnerabilities, and, and every one of us in how we operate day to day, whether it's in our personal lives uh, or in our professional lives, are touching various systems, and that, that in, in how we operate them can bring vulnerability uh, to operational activities or to our own personal uh, activities. An example today is we don't, in many of the, the fifth-gen aircraft that are maintained every day, those aircraft are millions of line of code. The maintainers are now completely versed 
and how they interface with that system is really through cyber and, and information technology. So clearly, maintainers have transitioned from solely thinking about the tools that they use being physical hardware to now also having to really be uh, increasingly aware of cyber and the overall software. The area that I think we also have to spend time in education where, where I'm proud of the work the team has done within 16th Air Force is thinking about the impacts of disinformation. That's an area that we are assigned as a mission underneath General Nakasone and, uh, is to be able to counter disinformation from foreign adversaries. And, and it's an area that we see in our lives every single day. So we, have, we can't necessarily affect the entire uh, population of the United States, but we can affect airmen and giving them the right training to be able to recognize how to make sure that the information that they're using is accurate, how it's cited, what its source is, to ensure that as they make decisions in their own personal lives, uh, that they understand what's disinformation and what's not. That's an area for us that we've got to continue to emphasize uh, across all facets while we're also emphasizing cyber awareness. Uh, and, and we've heard from senior leadership, right? I mean, disinformation also leads to some uh, other uh, negative attributes, whether it's extremism and, and the like, which I know that senior leadership uh, as, as well as you're focused on. You know, sir, you, you mentioned uh, the sophistication of, of modern weapons, whether it's the F-35, which I think has 4 million lines of code. You've got the B-21 coming online, uh, which is another extraordinary aircraft. But the concern that a lot of folks have is that we have not spent as much time securing uh, the SCADA systems, the underlying code that drives a lot of these weapon systems, and that actually we may be far more vulnerable than we want to admit to ourselves, right? It's great to have uh, 100 B-21s, maybe less good if, for example, a cyber attack manages to ground them or in fact incapacitate them in, in some fashion uh, when, they're, when they're airborne. Talk to us a little bit about some of the steps uh, you and the senior Air Force team, and obviously this extends to the acquisition organization, are taking to try to address some of these vulnerabilities. Because it's you know you can you can have an F-35A brand new, but it gets plugged into something that may be compromised. Now all of a sudden that software is compromised. I know it's a it's a big challenge. What's your philosophy and thinking on how best to address this force-wide, especially for systems that were not designed with cybersecurity as maybe a paramount concern? So it's a, it's a great question, and I'll tell you how we think about it. At 16th Air Force, we're the operational arm. So we operate the Air Force networks, and we defend all of the Air Force systems, whether those be our networks, our weapon systems, uh, or uh, the SCADA systems that are, that, that are operated on our base and infrastructure. So we're thinking about, number one, how do we position ourselves to be able to see those systems, and that's where we've had a really great partnership with Air Combat Command as our lead MAGCOM and Air Force Lake Cycle Management Center in terms of the capabilities they've delivered us to now be more coherent with how we use our data. So we're thinking about this from an overall enterprise perspective. How do we defend our enterprise, meaning our networks? How do we defend our weapon systems? And some of that is being done through our cyber protection teams that we present to U.S. Cyber Command, and some of it's being done through mission defense teams that are being developed inside of our Air Force focused on weapon systems. All of it is tied to our data. The area that, that does take a lot of work is that SCADA component, the base infrastructure. That is the responsibility of the Air Force Civil Engineering Center to be the lead for that. We're their partner in that activity. So th there are partnerships, but it really comes down to 
being able to see ourselves, see our data, use that data in a more effective way, and our airmen are being really innovative and creative within the 688 cyberspace wing, and how we are using the data combined with algorithms focused on being able to defend in an area where we identify either there's adversary interest or vulnerability. We're able to bring heat and mass to that so that we can stay focused on it. Those are things that we know um, we're, we're honing today that we'll have to continue to improve as we build out our infrastructure that is focused on meeting what Secretary Kendall's asking us to do and what General Brown's asking us to do, which is to be resilient, to be able to operate in disconnected environments, and the pieces are starting to go in place, but there's, there's still a lot more work to be done there. But I'm proud of the, the work that's being done today to be able to defend what we have as we build towards the infrastructure we need to execute what Secretary Kendall and General Brown are asking us to do. Um, how far out do you think you are from that mission? And talk to us about the kind of investment that's going to be needed and you envision not just on the SCADA side of things, but on the systems and the architecture side of it. Because, you know, I was talking to Chris, uh, Chris Cleary uh, recently, uh, the U.S. Navy's cyber advisor, and, and he said, you know, it's, it's not a lot of money that would re be required to get us over some of these uh, SCADA vulnerabilities uh, or even broader cyber investment. It's just that it doesn't feature as prominently. And so his point was for, for the price of a couple of combat aircraft a year, uh, and certainly less than the price of one warship, you could address some of these challenges. As, as you look uh, at the problem, what are, um, what's the investment that would be needed? And what are so broadly the, your investment priorities to improve uh, your force's capabilities? So, I, so thankfully, the one thing that, that I don't have to really spend a lot of my time on is what are we investing in, uh, because we are the operator. And, and so we advise, really, Air Combat Command, and then Ms. Kanalsenberger as the CIO of the Air Force, uh, Lieutenant General Mary O'Brien as Air Force 826 are working the policy, the investment strategy, and aligning that with what OSD uh, and Cyber Command want us to do. So we're really focused on executing what we have. Now, with that, how we take the things that we already have, and this kind of comes back to national defense strategies, which said, before you go ask for more resources, optimize what you have. And that's an area that I think we've really spent a lot of our time, which is the Air Force has put some really foundational components in place. We've been a longtime uh, partner uh, with Microsoft as we've built out our infrastructure for user experience for our airmen. We have built out Cloud One and Platform One inside of Air Force Lifecycle Management Center to be the place where we're housing our data and then making it more uh, coherent as to how that data gets put into a cloud instance that sets the conditions for us to then to be able to use that data in a disconnected environment. So the things that we're thinking about, do we have the right compute and store to meet General Brown's vision? Where would we need that? How would we defend it? Those concepts are coming. We are exercising many of those concepts, and that's an area from our perspective, whether it's our ISR wings, our recce wings, uh, or uh, the cyberspace wings, where they're bringing expertise by experimentation that's allowing that to help inform what those investment decisions will look like. We also think the partnerships with AFCAC uh, and the civil engineering team, as they look at SCADA, there is a lot of industry investment and also academia that's looking at that challenge. We're helping connect those dots 
with Cyber Command, uh, with NSA, uh, and our partnership uh, with DHS. So there's a lot of work we can do to inform it, and we feel like the big rocks are falling into place, uh, but there's certainly going to be work to be done as we think about disconnected environments and making sure we have the right data that's available. And I can talk more about how we're thinking about resiliency if, if that's an area you'd like to go farther. I, that, that, that absolutely is. So I, I wanted to ask you, um, as you look at the equation, right? I mean, there's a concern that we've been focused a little too much on offense and not enough on defense. Uh, and, and then there's the resiliency piece that goes in this, right? Because ultimately all of these are, are risk management calculations that have to happen. Talk to us about the balance between offense, defense, as well as uh, resiliency and how do you think and risk management, right? I mean, because it's one dynamic shifting calculus on, on multiple fronts simultaneously across what is a just probably one of the world's largest attack surfaces. Yeah, so we think about it in a couple different ways. So I'll kind of walk through them in terms of the roles and missions and our partners. So if we think about the resiliency of our networks and our data, part of it is, is our ability of our ISR enterprise to be able to, to generate that information uh, and then be able to use it in an environment that would be disconnected. So we do have uh, our ISR wings that are experimenting with uh, just those very uh, types of scenarios, which are, um, imagine if you're disconnected from our global network, what information are you going to have? How would we be able to support targeting uh, or uh, decision advantage if you only have a portion of your sensor network available to you? That's really uh, good experimentation that's working. Um, in terms of them being able resilient within our networks, uh, those are areas that I think where, where we've seen our supported commanders become more understanding of the risk, meaning which systems are essential in which phase of conflict and which information is necessary to ensure that we've got good trust of that data uh, to be able to then use it based off of the decisions that are going to have to be made. And that gets to really parsing out thoughtful consideration of each mission and what information is necessary. And we're seeing that happen, whether that's our COCOM partners that we support or the air components, that work is underway. And that's hard, uh, but really, uh, I think, um, really well thought out work. And then from an offensive perspective, clearly we are the lead for the United States Air Force when we think all domain and what capability we bring in cyberspace as part of that all domain approach. And, and we have to be able to bring capability across all of the, the phases of the conflict continuum. We're really asked right now to be focused on competition, but we've got to be ready for escalation to meet what General Brown is asking us to do. And another word from our sponsors, our technology coverage is sponsored by General Motors Defense and L3 Harris sponsors our coverage of joint all domain command and control. I, I want to just sort of ask you on it from a great power uh, competition standpoint, right? Um, I think that uh, the vice chairman, uh, General Hyten, uh, very thoughtfully sort of said, look, in where we're going, we're going to go into a highly emissions controlled environments, highly information denied environments, highly electromagnetically contested environments. And actually the key is going to be whoever can get up on a net, get the data they need as quickly as they can and come off that net before they're targeted for, for, for having done so. How does that change how it is we need to be thinking about data 
access to data, mission command elements of this, right? Because we are now interconnected and have been interconnected and communicated will, and we will be operating in places where we cannot, as Secretary Kendall has clearly said, cannot communicate at will. How do we need to be thinking about that element of the, that, that part of the problem? Well, it, I, I think some of it is leveraging experience where it sits, and then and then now really thinking about new tradecraft. Uh, where it, where some of our experience fits are mission type orders. Uh, we we have operated across our ISR enterprise with mission type orders really for the better part of the last decade, which is empowering commanders at at the really at the closest edge of the tactical fight to have control of resources, to be able to to answer the hard problems that they need uh, to meet the overall objectives of the campaign. We've used that pretty successfully, and we're starting to extend that out to other roles and missions uh, to meet that resiliency experimentation demand. Um, The the other areas that we have to be thinking about is what, what are also our advantages, so we do think about it, you know, through the lens of, of how we're all, will our adversary contest us? You know, what are the strengths we're bringing to that, to that environment? And, and from a 16th Air Force or looking across all the other service cyber components is, is really an enormous amount of talent and capacity um, that we are, are bringing to bear to be able to defend, uh, but also to create resiliency in our networks, and in insurance of the integrity of our data. Uh, that's, that's something that's core to what we think about, because as we think about a strategy that General Hyten, you know, when he talks information advantage or join all domain command and control, underpinning that is data that we trust. And, and so we, we are spending a significant amount of time there. As an, as an element that also presents uh, the, the Air Force's electronic warfare capability, we do also understand what it looks like in the electromagnetic spectrum and, and what the opportunities are there, but also the threats. So that balance uh, within the Air Force uh, is something that, that we're really leveraging the 55th wing and their expertise uh, to be able to, to assist the whole Air Force. I think in the joint force, what you have also seen is an adaptation by the standup of U.S. Cyber Command and U.S. Space Command those global combatant commands that regardless of what a great power competition looks like in escalation, you have global combatant commands that are really thinking about what are the second and third order of, of impacts within their respective domains uh, from a global perspective. Um, let me ask you, you, know, you mentioned data because ultimately this is really all about the data. Uh, and, and stewardship of it, custody of it, uh, right? The accuracy of it, because obviously there are folks who are trying to um, fiddle with it all the time. As, as we've seen around the world, I, I mean, I'm, I don't want to ask you specifically about what's going on in Afghanistan, but a, a lot of biometric data, for example, was, was compromised. And, and one of the challenges with digitization, and I remember first covering this three decades ago, was, okay, well, what happens when those highly sophisticated bits of data that are distributed everywhere in all of these networks, whether it's in a vehicle or an airplane, become then compromised. How, how do we need to think about, uh, because right in a great power uh, comp- competition, aircraft will be lost, uh, ships will be lost, vehicles will be compromised. Uh, how, how do we need to think about securing our data 
when it will be distributed. And actually, if you mosaic it, right, I'm speaking to a career intelligence officer, you know, in isolation, it might not seem as much, but actually it could be the key to a very complex puzzle your adversary is trying to figure out about what our capabilities are. How do we need to think about this data piece of it and how we operate in a distributed environment while safeguarding it, given that we are likely to lose platforms that may have access in, in sort of different ways? How do we need to think about that? Uh, so I'll give you two uh thoughts that, that really, I think, ultimately are coming together in, in the way that the Department of Defense is approaching it. First is the comprehensive data strategy, that, that how do we understand and, and all of us be able uh, to provide data that allows it to be consumable by the joint force. So there's a really, those strategies are starting to realize from what started in the department, each of the services, and now in execution, uh, we're seeing those uh, strategies start to realize some gains. The second component is really about how do we then uh, use emerging technologies uh, that are like, uh, that, uh, like zero trust, which start to align your ability to see data to specific attributes and use that technology to secure it. Uh, those are areas that I think you will see increasingly come together, the data strategy uh, with the overall approach uh, to security is an area that, that as, it emer as it continues to be fielded, uh, those will come together. We will continue to have some challenge with legacy data sets and platforms, and that's where I think our airmen have been really creative to think about how we'll secure those systems as well. How are you working with your uh, with the other service components, your Army, Navy, and Marine Corps uh, counterparts? I mean, I should say space counterparts at this point uh, as well, uh, but in a different sort of a way because you support that. Um, how how are you guys working together on this? Given that operationally each of you are distinct and different, right? I mean, this is one of the biggest problems with JAD C two Joint All Domain Command and Control. Uh, right. I mean, one of the challenges is everybody has different needs ultimately, but then again, you also have a lot of very, very common problems. How are you working with your sister services, um, given any fight is going to involve all for one and one for all? Vago, what I'll, what I'll reference is really the how we're partnering inside of U.S. Cyber Command, because I think it really is uh, a, a fantastic model for how we think about joint warfare which is uh, the organizational structure inside of, of Cyber Command is that each of us as components, as Joint Force Headquarters, are aligned to combatant commands. So, for example, uh, as, as 16th Air Force Aft Cyber, um, we are aligned to, by General Noxoni to UCOM, and our teammates in the Navy are aligned to Indo-PACOM. But how that works in practice is if there is an activity that I can assist uh, that our Navy teammates, who are the lead for support to Indo-PACOM, I'm pleased to be a supporting commander that helps deliver capability for Indo-PACOM and for the PACAF commander. And that's the art we're developing every single day, which is how does our service strength, which from a United States Air Force perspective and our air-mindedness and our ability to operate in the air domain, how does that translate to expertise that we can leverage inside a U.S. Cyber Command. And, and that is certainly an area where I want to draw upon uh, Lieutenant General Steve Fogarty's team for activities in support of UCOM 
where they have a need that's really looking at it from a land component perspective, I want to leverage the Army teammates. I think we're doing that really, really well in U.S. Cyber Command as supported and supporting commanders uh, so that we can bring the right set of service strengths to really hard problems. Uh, what are the big problems you want industry to help you solve? Artificial intelligence, machine learning, quantum, what, what are the big problems? So, so I think our big our, our issue is being able to maximize the use of our data from legacy weapon systems. Like there, there are powerful capabilities that we are going to retain inside of our respective services, making the best use of that data in ways that it wasn't intended is an area that we could be capitalizing on and uh, in, in being able to, to do that in the most effective way with some help from industry. Um, let me take you to the question of talent. Um, how do you, do you feel you have the right talent within the confines of the services uh, within your force? Uh, if not, what are you doing to get it? And do you yourself feel that you are cross-pollinating enough um, with folks outside, right? Because the military part of cyber is really an extension of all of these trends that we're seeing that actually exist in the civilian world, right? I mean, in, in an extent, you know, banks have something very similar that, that you do. Are you getting out and about enough to be as current uh, intellectually as you need to be? Uh, so first, I think we are getting the right talent we need. The question for all of us is, are we retaining the depth of talent in specific disciplines? that will allow us to grow necessary expertise over time. Uh, I'm really confident in our ability to, to recruit, train, uh, and employ the talent. It's reten retention in a couple key areas. In terms of connection to industry, we do have some incredible connections through our Garden Reserve. Uh, they are force enablers every day. You can imagine that our uh, reserve cyberspace wing has the ability to recruit in nation leaders in IT or in banks or in cloud technology and immediately bring to the fight. We also have some really good partnerships inside of Cyber Command through DHS with the financial sector, with the energy sector. Uh, that, that allows us to stay pretty connected. You were uh, studying uh, what was the Soviet Union and was uh, that was kind of coming apart uh, as you were a Russian studies uh, major at Lehigh University. How do you rank our adversaries and how do you rank our capabilities relative to them? Uh, so so the, the United States remains the, the world's leader. Um, what I would what I would say is that the, the cost of entry is so low for adversaries to bring capability uh, that can impact critical functions uh, in our nation is an area that we've got to work closely uh, across the U.S. government with industry to close those to, to close that vulnerability. I think we are also seeing adversaries recognize uh, that that can either be that they can gain strategic advantage through intellectual property theft, through low-cost disinformation operations that impact the United States and our allies, and that that is a strategic challenge. Uh, that we are collectively going to have to continue to work all the way uh, from all the parts of the U.S. government, but also industry is going to have to step up uh, and be a key player in everything that we're doing. Well, uh, well, that's a fantastic question. The, 
the thing that has been exciting is you create a new organization and all the leaders that we have across 16th Air Force is as we brought all the missions together and brought multiple organizations together, we had to find common fabric around the information warfare mission. We established a why very early, which was empowered airmen delivering outcomes for the nation. Really, we wanted to communicate to all of our airmen that they are empowered, we trust them, they're the engine that's going to make us realize what the Air Force was, was asking us to achieve. And it, we have to produce outcomes, they need to be produced today, and there's, there's a significance to it, it's for the nation. And, and the airmen came back to us and set some principles that they wanted us to organize around, to make sure that we were collaborative, connected, outcome-focused, innovative, and of course empowered. We brought new organizations in, like our weather teammates, and, and they have brought just an absolute energy uh, into the organization with new thoughts, new ideas. So we're really excited about the progress we've made to establish an information warfare culture that integrates all of our roles and missions, and really proud of the leaders that have done that in the midst of a global pandemic. Um, you know, let me uh, ask, there's, there's one. Um, element of that, which I'm, which I'm curious about. Um, I, I remember asking General Brown this question uh, when he was still PACAF. Uh, and, and then it's become a foundational element of his leadership, which is, you know, airmen should Air press ahead and that you don't need to necessarily get approval, right? Inform your chain of command, but press ahead, right? Innovate at speed. That, that's potentially uh, both highly empowering, but also is very challenging for leaders. As, as a senior leader in the Air Force, what are the opportunities you see? What are the challenges, uh, right? Because it is such a big cultural difference. And I think the Air Force deserves credit for historically being a very innovation-minded force and, and one that has distributed, um, you know, and tried always to empower uh, uh, airmen. How, what, what are the unique challenges that sort of an aggressive, right? Because the, the chief's mantra is uh, innovate or lose. Yeah, I, I think we've actually found it's more for, for it's such an opportunity. The, the idea of distributed control and allowing airmen to move out on problems is first we have to prove that we mean it. And I think General Brown has certainly lived up to that. And, and what it has really morphed to for me as a leader of a, of a pretty large operational organization is my job is really to give intent, to make sure the intent that I, I give out to subordinate commanders and to our staff is consistent with what General Noxoni wants as the joint commander, what General Kelly as, my, as, as the commander of ACC, what he's trying to achieve. If I give good intent, I'm really confident that we will produce outcomes but likely in ways that I wouldn't have initially uh, have thought possible because there will be airmen that just move out and they will have different understanding of the technology or the authorities or the capabilities or the data in a way that they can bring new magic that we wouldn't have thought of. Sir, thanks so very much uh, for joining us. Absolute pleasure uh, talking to you. You're welcome back on the program. Uh, you and anybody from 16th Air Force is, is welcome on the program anytime. Thanks very much. Vago, thank you so much. Thanks for enduring. I'm glad we could finally connect. Absolute pleasure. You know, we, we would be remiss if, if we didn't talk about culture change. Um, the single most important thing leaders can do is to drive uh, cultural change, both within their enterprise, but also more broadly, right? I mean, your job is not just the operational uh, cyber side of the Air Force or the uh, electronic warfare side or the information warfare side, but it's also uh, to change culture going up 
right? Not just going down. What's the kind of culture change you're trying to engineer at 16th Air Force and beyond? 